this week's episode of the Robo Falcons podcast, the official podcast of the Frost Robo Falcons robotics teams. I am your host, Jason, and I am joined by Robo Falcons Black team member and my son, Asher. Hey, it's good to be back. I'm uh, happy to have you here. Uh, last week went uh, quite well for our very first episode. Yeah. Uh, How do you think it went? I think it went pretty well. Yep. Uh, well, I'm excited to uh, get going on the second episode, and joining us today, we have one of the mentors, Justin. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, we uh, we spent a lot of time last week talking with Chris and Lindsay about you know what FIRST is all about, what the robotics teams are all about. Um, so I didn't want to necessarily get back into that subject specifically. I wanted to more get into a little bit more of the nitty-gritty about how, the, how things function here. Um, so, you, so we we mentioned you're a mentor. Um, how did you get into that? Like, how did you even come to this in the first place? Uh, that's a really great question. Uh, my son was a seventh grader last year, and prior to the whole introduction to the robotics team, Frost, the middle school, came to the elementary school when my son was in sixth grade and showed them kind of what they were doing. That year, they had actually ended up going to Worlds. And so my son was really fired up about, hey, this is really awesome. This is a great opportunity to get in and play with robots and learn coding and learn all kinds of things that he was really interested in. And so at the start of his seventh grade year, they had the kickoff for the FTC event, right? This is the game introduction. This is what we, we're going to accomplish this year. These are the challenges we've got to overcome. And given just what was going on, <clears throat> I was the one who said... I get to go with him for this kickoff and see what it's all about. And Frost at the time didn't have a coach, didn't have anybody signed up to say, hey, we need somebody to lead the, the robotics team. And my son looked at me and said, hey, dad, we need a coach. And I think robots are cool. Uh-huh. This is a pretty cool opportunity to get in and just see things from a very kind of, I was like, ah, low level situation. What can I do? How much harm can I really do? Yep. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, begrudgingly to my wife, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll give it a shot, you know, this year, just kind of be the face essentially of like, I'm here to help the team. We had really great mentors. In fact, we still have, we had the same mentors that we had, uh, this year yep. as last year. And so I was really carried a lot by, by their support and everything. Um, but that was my, my introduction to it. Hey dad, we need a coach. So going into it, you really had no kind of outside knowledge of this whole world. Really at all. I, I had no idea, uh, what to get into and how to do it. That's pretty crazy. Um, so then how does your, so what's your background then? Like what, what made you think you could come in and, and contribute? Uh, my, my contribute is a mechanical mindset, Okay. right? Like putting structures together and making them kind of best process of how to do something. Sure. Um, I, I work for Toyota in okay. research and development as a, a senior technician. Okay. Uh, just kind of hands-on doing a lot of different challenges and tasks, you know, sure. come about building various structures and whatnot that we need to accomplish our jobs and responsibilities. So I came in from a very uh, mechanical side of things. I can help them get it built, mm-hmm. and then they can take it and go to the programming side of it from there. So there's so then the other mentors, I would assume, I mean, obviously, I would assume I've seen it, but uh, for the people out there listening, the other mentors have different specialties that they would kind of take responsibility for. Right, right, right. So one of our mentors, James, 
Uh, he's previously been the coach. He's the coach this year. Um, he just couldn't do it last year. That's mm-hmm. why that's why they weren't there. Um, but he helped a lot with the programming okay. and some of the imagery. But Lindsay helped do that last year as well as this year. Um, and Chris did fantastic with all of the statistics that we need uh, to basically when we're playing our competition, you know, we're in there, we're trying to figure out, okay, are we doing well? Are our opponents doing well? Are our teammates doing well? How can we basically put all those stats together and then make it to the best of our advantage uh, as we go along? So we, I, I, as the coach last year, really heavily leaned on the other mentors uh, outside of the building. Right. Okay. So, so then, how does like how does the division of labor get kind of mapped out? Like, who decides who does what essentially? I think we just kind of play to our strengths. Yeah. Really. Um, you know, James is is he's been doing it for a, a while. Yeah. Uh, so he kind of just has this overall. This is what we need to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he really kind of has led a lot of. Hey, I'll work on this. You guys help over here. Yeah. You know, and we kind of play to those strengths, right? James is, is good at that. Chris is great at the, uh, the, the coaching the kids to help them in the interviewing process, right? Yep. When we go into judging, helping them line up, what do we need to do? How do we get our engineering portfolio put together? You know, what do we, how do we utilize the, the skills that we have, um, in the kids who can answer those questions, Definitely relying on the students' abilities to speak publicly because that's a big factor of this as well. Sure. When we go into judging, you've got to be comfortable sitting in front of a panel mm-hmm. of a few judges um, and they ask you questions. You tell them about who you are and go there. And Chris was really good at making sure that that runs smoothly. Excellent. Excellent. So so a lot of it has to do with, you know, uh, 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 so James is kind of big picture guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then... You guys just kind of, uh, whatever your expertise is, whether it's building, presenting, coaching, whatever it is, people seem to just sort of, you know, you know that old, old saying, um, uh, water finds its level. Right. You know, everyone yeah. kind of finds their balance. Yeah. Um, well, I know that way. it took me a little while to sort of figure out what I was going to do here because, you know, I don't have, I'm not an engineer. Um, I can build all kinds of things just because I have in my past. But I'm not a trained engineer. I don't really know anything about the servos or the motors or how that stuff goes together. I could piece it together because I built Legos. Um, right, right. But um, I, I sort of figure that stuff out on my own. Uh, this is kind of what my niche is, is, is this promotional aspect of it. So it was nice to sort of find something for me to do. Um, and yeah, and that's what we rely on, right? When our mm-hmm. parents come in and we need parent volunteers to come in and, hey, help us manage this Sometimes seemingly chaos of sure. we've got so many students here. We're we're blessed to have two teams right now with Frost Middle Middle School, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a good problem to have. Yeah. But when you get in, you got thirty students here. How do you make sure they're all occupied doing things that help benefit yeah. each of the teams in their own own respects? Right. And so, yeah, kind of like I like that water yeah. water finds its level, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we we also have another mentor who's been great helping with the coding he understands that he's been helping the other levels frc yeah because uh his son one of our high school mentors has who's been helping the drive teams make sure that they get the right paths down they get the right kind of process of what they're looking for Mm -hmm. going forward 
they've they've both been doing that and helping in, in various ways that have, have eased the burden on just one person alone. Very cool. That, it, it's nice the way it sort of works out where everybody has a place. Yeah. Um, so let's let's move let's let's move on a little bit. Let's talk about kind of the the robot itself. Um, we haven't really gotten to a whole lot of that at, at all, really. So, um, how did you come up with the overall design of the robot? Oh, so this year we actually because we have two teams, we wanted to have two separate robots. Okay. Um, when at the beginning of the year they they put out the this is what the game challenge is mm-hmm. right. Uh, we looked at it at the various tasks that we wanted to do. One, uh, there's a backstage that's about 12 inches off the ground. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at that and said, we don't want our robot to be above 12 inches in its compact state. In its, its mobility portion, right? As it's moving around in the field, we didn't want it to get caught up on anything high. Uh, so in FTC, you're limited by size. The robot cannot be bigger than 18 inches by 18 inches by 18 inches. Right. Uh, when it when it initially starts, it mm-hmm. can expand out outside of that. Right. But in its initial setup, it has to be smaller than that. So that was a challenge, right? We wanted a small, compact robot that was smaller than the largest dimensions available, mainly to be able to get from one side of the field to the other without getting caught up on other things. With that, we knew that we needed to pick up a small little pixel item. Yep. And we knew we could pick up two at a time. Right. So we went through various design phases. And the two at a time is based on the rules of the game. You can yeah. only pick up two yeah. at yeah. a time. You can't so do any more than that. As they call it, you can only control two game elements at one time. Okay. So those those game elements are the pixels. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the at the kickoff meeting, right, the, here we go. We have a uh, brainstorming event, right, where we get all the kids involved, all the students to say, okay, these are what we need to accomplish. How do we do it? And drawing pictures, putting ideas together. Um, I believe at this this the beginning of this season, last year's robot was actually brought in as kind of this is what we did last year right. for the new new students coming in. So it kind of gave them some forward thought going in, like yeah. okay, how can we how can we move forward? What do we need to do? Can we make changes to this one? Can we use this one at all? Or any of the concepts from there. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of give them a starting point to, you know, give them an idea. Because, you know, you, 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 tell, you walk into a place and you tell people, hey, we want to build a robot. Well, if they've never seen kind of an example of what they, of what's expected, it's hard to kind of come up with. You, you need limiting factors. Yeah. And, and in the game presentation, they're all cartoon style. Yeah. And so you're kind of like, oh, well, maybe we could use that idea. Yeah. But how do we build that? What what do we use to be able to put that together? Uh, so what are the challenges you have to overcome to build a successful robot? Oh, there's a lot of challenges you got to overcome. Uh, first is structure. What are you going to build it out of? How many are, are you going to implement any 3D Printed portions. If so, what and how does it look? What does it shape like? Are there limitations to the three D printed? Uh, only to your imagination, really. Okay, so there's I no mean, rules against it. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, in fact, our last competition, I saw a robot that was completely three D printed. Wow. So it used some <clears throat> metallic uh, objects and, and structures. It had the same type of wheels that we use on our robot. They're mm-hmm. called mechanum wheels. Okay. 
uh, but the body, the entire frame and structure of this robot was 3D printed. And it was fairly durable, and it worked really well. Um, what is the, uh, what's the base of the material? What's the, the base of our robot made out of right now? So our robot is built from a Go Build a... Get what the chassis is called, okay. but basically it's a C-channel style okay. um, aluminum frame mm -hmm. that you piece together uh, with mechanum wheels mm -hmm. and and uh, linear slides and linear actuators. So, um, where do we get the parts from? Great question. Uh, there are many different, at, at least. I want to say three different companies that kind of facilitate needs toward uh, FTC mm -hmm. and the structures that way. So we get a majority of our things from GoBuilda. And then there's Rev Robotics. And then I believe, I'm not entirely sure, just because my limited knowledge uh, being into this for only so long, Andy Mark is also a, a supporter and sponsor of... FTC. So those are the three kind of main companies? Yeah, and I'm sure there's others as well, right? Uh, at least for structure and kind of servos and motors and controllers, mm -hmm. you know, robot controllers, they call them control hubs and yeah. expansion hubs. Basically the things we need to be able to implement all of our electronic aspects to it. So uh, I imagine since like we're getting all these metal parts and servos and motors... Uh, it's going to be pretty expensive. Uh, so how much do we spend on those parts? That's, that's a really good question. They, are, they can be very expensive. Um, on average, the last, I'd say, four years, Frost has spent approximately $7,000 wow. on their robots. That is uh, a lot. That, yeah, that's a lot. Well, and, and that... that Covers, you know, you, you get the chassis, and then you've got to have all of these, all of the servos are expensive. Well, not terribly, but within reason. You, you got to buy a lot. So, you know, you piece it all together <laughs> five bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 80 bucks here, and you got to buy four or five of them. Yeah. I imagine yeah. it adds up. Well, and, and luckily, uh, we're always kind of on the lookout as yeah. well uh, for, from, Teams who are disbanding or teams who just have a little extra and they're trying to unload some of it to recoup some of their costs. We've we've picked up a, quite a bit of parts that way, which has been good because it's, oh, we need an extra one of these. Well, it's unavailable at Go Build a, right. but somebody else is selling it on eBay for this and, or another FTC team is getting rid of it. And so we've picked up quite a few components that way, which has helped in some of the reduced costs to sure. it, but... You know, you're not paying full price, which is fantastic. Right. But it's still expensive, though. In the yeah, market. yeah. And with so many teams out there, yeah. sometimes it makes it pretty difficult. As soon as they go up, they're sold out. So You know, that reminds me of one of the issues we kind of circumvented. Uh, I remember James saying they released a larger mechanum wheel size. And he was able to go on as soon as they came out and bought, I don't know if he said four or eight of them. Um, and then they immediately sold out like within a couple hours. Yeah. So the I it was I was actually inspired to use the larger mechanum wheels this yeah. year. Um, to whatever the students were like, now nah, let's go with the smaller ones. 
Not a big deal. Yeah. Um, but I saw those. I was like, oh, this would be great for this. Mm-hmm. Using it as a way. And, and because we have so many extra parts in that regard, it gives us a chance to be able to prototype. Yeah. We had a lot of prototype options. Um, until we actually get back to your previous question about how do we decide what to go on, right? What do we want the robot to look like? We probably had three or four different prototype structures put together before the kids kind of said, uh, we like this style and we'll go with that. All right. So, um, how many hours a week do you spend working on the, this whole project? Not as many as others. Yep. Uh, yeah. I can think of a couple off the top of my head that uh, kind, of, kind of live and breathe this. Yeah. And I wish if, if, if my family life were a little bit different, I definitely would be spending more time doing this just mm-hmm. with you know, getting in. I, w- I would love to get into more of the 3D printing. Oh, let's try this part. What does that look like? Yep. Um, but typically when we start out, it's two hours for two days a week. So you're four hours a week. And then when we really get into, you know, that's kind of through the beginning. Then we get into build season and that goes to about two hours, four to five days a week. So you're anywhere from eight to 10, if not a little more. And sometimes four hours on a Saturday. That's just in preparation for events. Yeah, because the events, I mean, I've been to one. Yeah. And they are all day. They are 16 hours, nonstop robot, everything. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, uh, this this season, our, the events that we've been tagged in are actually a lot further away. The first event we got into this year, I think I had about a 20-hour day altogether. <laughs> so it was you know, long drive in the morning, there all day, long drive in the evening. Yep. It was it was a very long day. It can be very tiring and taxing. But in all honesty, seeing the kids succeed uh, with their, whether it's their autonomous section of their their robot, they've worked really hard to get it to do everything it needs to do, mm-hmm. or seeing the the improvements that they make in their driver uh, driver they call it teleop yeah. the driver operated yeah. section, and then the end game portion. Does the robot do what they need to? Are they able to finish it out the way that it needs to be? To see that success and see them grow is, is totally worth it. Very cool. And, and this, this kind of, as we're wrapping up here, this kind of brings up a good, um, a good discussion of the core beliefs and sort of, you know, what the point of all of this is. And, and one of the things we like to, there's a specific question we like to ask everybody who's on here. Um, what, uh, what is gracious professionalism? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to be a gracious professional? The, the very first time I heard Gracious Professionalism was the introduction I had to FIRST Robotics and FTC as a whole. I was thinking, man, am I graciously professional in all of my interactions? Do I try to treat other people as though, like golden rule, treat people the way that you want to be treated, Yep. right? And, and added that much unto you in that respect. Um, it really is, I've seen a lot of it as we have gone through it these last two seasons that I've been a part of it, you know, reaching out to other teams who need assistance and other teams reaching out with us or we've reached out to other teams being all, oh, yeah, we can, we can help you with this design. In fact, actually, from the last, uh, from our last competition, I had a, a coworker who walked up to me and said, hey, I didn't know you were a part of this. <laughs> <laughs> and 
we got talking and they're robots. He, so he was here, uh, he was at the competition with his son yeah. and his son's team. There were two other teams are all sister schools from the same area. And, um, they, they swept the competition. They first, <laughs> second, third place all the way through. And, and we looked at their robot design and was like, Holy cow, that's a, that's a really awesome design. They're mm-hmm. efficient. Their drive practice was awesome. They were able to get it in, get it out, and, and do what they needed to do and, and score really well. And we tied, I had went up to their coaches, each of the coaches of the teams, and said, how can we be more like what your robot is doing? How yeah. can we help our students do that? Um, and they, they were overwhelmingly uh, excited yeah. To be able to say, oh yeah, here's our here's our files. This is what it looks like. This is how you can because it was all 3D printed. Wow. So they shared those files with us, yeah. and, and we've been able to kind of look at them and say, okay, do we really want to implement this? And, yep. and you know, so they they said, here's the software that we use so that the students can learn how to CAD up a design. Oh, cool! And then turn it into that 3D printed mechanism mm-hmm. and have it work efficiently. And then that whole interaction of the exchanging of information is, is part of gracious professionalism. Yeah, and to help these students realize how much further it goes yeah. when you're when you are actively participating in gracious professionalism to to further any kind of interaction. Yeah. You know. Very cool. We live in a world today where so many people are disgruntled or upset about whatever yep. but yet coming to this you you see that in action you see gracious professionalism in action and that kind of people are willing to correct each other when when you start to kind of step out of line they're like hey let's let's look at this the, the better way yeah and which which i appreciate sure you know um so my final question um if you were to pitch ftc to somebody like what What's your pitch to them? Why should somebody join an organization like this? Building the future's leaders in engineering, in robotics, in programming, in STEAM is is such a great way to look at it, right? Mm -hmm. You have science, technology, engineering, art, and maths. You yep. need all of those things to be able to make this function. To see these young minds envelop it and just take hold of it and, and expand beyond what, what, you, what you would think that they could do at that age, right? Helping them learn to step out of their comfort zones helping them grow and mature in a way that will benefit them for life and to be able to make connections with people outside of their local areas. Cause that's one of the things that is, is really beneficial when they get and do the outreach, when they, when they try to talk to people from all over the globe, when you can help another team around the world yeah. solve a problem that you guys have already solved or yep. somebody else is helping you solve a problem that you don't know how or how to attack it or you look at it one way and somebody says, hey, try this. It's really kind of an eye-opening an eye-opening thing for me it was and I think it's a great thing to help these young people thrive and do on their own. 
with a little guidance and mentoring well, along sure. the way. Yeah. We can't expect them to just kind of figure it out on their own. Sometimes a little push in the right direction. But you know what? It's been actually really good to yeah. uh, to present problems and say, you guys go figure out how to do it and then come back with your solution mm -hmm. or come back with questions and we yeah. can kind of step forward that way. It's been really cool to see the type of ideas that they've come up with with this game's challenge. So it's a very give and take process. Very much so. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for being here. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. We really me. appreciate it. Uh, I know the team certainly appreciates you being here in general. Um, and, uh, and I'm excited to see what we do in the future. Yeah, well, I'm excited to keep on doing what we got to do and help these kids succeed. Excellent. My next guests are members of the uh, robotics teams. We have Xander and Pranav. Guys, welcome. Hello. Hello. Uh, uh, Xander, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself so we know who, which voice is whose. <laughs> Just say I'm Xander. Hi, I'm Xander. Hello, I'm Pranav. Excellent. Now we know your voices, that's all. Um, so uh, uh, how did you guys get involved with, with FIRST, with, with, with FTC and the, and the robots here? Where did you guys first hear about it? Uh, mainly it was from when my brothers joined robotics a couple years ago. Okay. And I really wanted to do it when my brother, a few years ago when my brother made it to the world's competition mm -hmm. for FTC. Okay. So I learned about it at school demonstrations, such as when I was going to the Frost Open Night. Uh -huh. I saw the robots there, and I thought it was really cool, and I was interested in joining robotics. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So is this your is this your first year doing it? Yes. Yeah. Your first year? Excellent. And you guys are on Team Black, right? White. Team, team White's the new one. That's right. That's right. You'd think I'd know that by now. I've been here for a little while at this point. Um, so, uh, so um, what are your roles on the team? Um, for me, uh, I'm driving for a team and do like a bit of imagery and some mechanical stuff like that. So I've done mechanical parts, some bits of programming. I've done presentation, and I'm a human player. So you're like a jack of all trades. Pretty much. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned uh, a driver and um, player control, a human player. Um, what exactly? What, what, what's the difference between those two? Why don't you start? Why don't you start with you, Zander? Um Driving, it's basically like using the controllers to like actually like move around the robot and yeah. like do things like intake uh, the game element, which is pixels. Mm -hmm. And human player, I think, cannot. Yeah. So I place the pixels in the field so that the driver can take them into the robot and help score them. So it's so it's a complicated process. Like the robot. It's not a one-man job. It really is a two-man job to sort of control how things, how, how the robot moves on the field. And, like, it has to all work together in order to be successful. Um, what, uh, what kind of difficulties have you guys found in, in doing those two jobs so far? Um, many things like uh, how sometimes our parts just, like, don't work in, as intended. So it's... Mm -hmm like different than usual so we have to go back and fix that in between things like matches so for human player i'd say the penalties are a big constraint because one of them is that you shouldn't be in the field so when giving signals it's difficult because we need to look at the robot so having to be a little distant from the field to be able to do those without getting a penalty can be difficult at times okay so so as a as, um, um um so there's rules set up that you have to follow, obviously, for the game itself. Um, what are the penalties? Like, typically, what, what, what happens when you get a penalty? 
So if it was a major or a minor penalty, it would be based on what you did. Okay. So a minor penalty would it like re- deduct ten points from your score, and sometimes if it was to continue, they would continuously deduct the ten points. Major penalties would be thirty, mm-hmm. which would be the same things. Excellent, excellent. And we've had how many competitions so far? Uh, two. Two so far. Yeah. Um. So so every year, every every competition, it's a little bit different because there's different groups there to participate in things, right? Yep. So you get to see different things from the different teams, yeah. how they sort of uh, solve different problems. Has there been anything you've seen at the competitions that have kind of caught your attention? Um, I'd say our robot doesn't have a claw, which uh, claws from the other robots. Uh, they have really good performance, which I've noticed. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I think we could have done. Sure. But our design is still really good. All right. So um, what did you learn in the last two competitions that you think you need to improve for the next one? Um, a lot of it is like the stress aspect and things like that. Uh, the short match time kind of impacts that. Mm, yeah. So like, it's really stressful and then in front of everyone, like the, everyone's watching you. So it's kind of like stressful. And communication between the human player and the drivers is also difficult because it will be very loud and noisy at the competition. Mm-hmm. So drivers may not hear it sometimes. They sometimes may not be seeing your signals. Yeah, I imagine it would probably be very stressful trying to get the proper communication across the board, score pixels and the right pixels. And then there's also the probably hundred, couple hundred people watching you. Yeah, it'd probably be aspect of the hundreds of people that are watching you live and like the stress of like your team members are counting on you to like get it done and win the match. Yeah. Um, have you found it's gotten easier to um, sort of deal with it over time? It's gotten slightly easier mm-hmm. over time. You have to like really work on getting like the stress under control and actually like knowing what you're doing sure. throughout the entire thing. Has it helped you? So you you said you have an older brother. Yeah, that that's done it as well. Yeah. Has it been easier? Um, I assume you probably went to some of the, some of the competitions to see yeah. him. Has it been easier to sort of acclimate yourself to all of this after seeing him do it a couple of times? Uh, yeah, somewhat. Give you an idea? Yeah. And I see, Pradav, you're kind of coming into it cold. Like, you have no idea, really, what this was all about. Um, has has this been what you expected, or has it been a little different than what you expected? So, I had thought it would just be, like, one person on the drive teams. That yeah. was one of the things I thought. And then I realized, oh, there's actually more of, like, there's actually a whole complicated thing that you have to do with mm-hmm. them. So I didn't expect that when I first came into robotics. What have you guys enjoyed the most so far? Um, a lot of it would be uh, actually getting a chance to drive the robot. Mm-hmm. That's really fun to do, along with actually like the build process of the robots. The build process has been good? So um, is it like exciting to drive the robots? Is it nervous? Like you get nervous, stressful? Uh, it's exciting. But also with the pressure, it it gets me nervous and stuff. So there's a lot of stress on me. Yeah. Nice. So overall, though, you guys have had fun doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we we like to. Uh, there's a couple questions we ask kind of everybody who's who's on the show, uh, and um, uh, and it means something different to everybody. It seems. So um, gracious professionalism. 
What does that mean to you? So for me, I would say that it's like maintaining a competitive spirit, so that you're not, but in a way that you're like not being like hurtful or rude to others. So like maintaining respect towards them at the same time. Um, it would be things like helping other teams when they need something, such as uh, uh, two competitions ago, we actually let uh, another team borrow one of our wheels, and they didn't. One of theirs uh, stopped working. So, yeah, we let them borrow another wheel, which would be an example of gracious professionalism. Sure. As you're helping out others and not, like, going and saying, like, ha-ha, you can't do it. Excellent, excellent. Um, so if you were to, as we're kind of wrapping up here, if you were to uh, convince someone to join the robotics team, like, what, what would you tell them about it? What would you, what would you say to sort of convince them to, to, to join your guys on the team? I would tell them all the interesting things and that you could do. Like, it's not like just making a robot. It's not boring if you don't like that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, there's also stuff like some people might like driving more because they get to use the game video game controllers, which people could like potentially. Okay. They could see it as that could just help them make it feel more fun. Yeah. Rather than just, it could seem dreary, just building a robot. So I would just tell them about the fun, exciting aspects. Okay. Um, there's even things like imagery, yeah. where it's like an art aspect, which for people that are into art, that also can be a thing that they can do with the thing with the robots and yeah. stuff without having to actually build the robots, which is kind of it helps to convince people to join it. So the so the the, the overall look of the robot is uh, is appealing to people to you know you see something cool you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna make some make one of your own or or play with the cool thing or. Or you know, interact with it in some some form, some fashion. Have you guys seen any? Uh, were, were there any robots that kind of caught your eye at the last competition that looked? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm a little biased. I think ours kind of looked the coolest. Um, which, which by the way, ours are uh, Iron Man and Spider Man kind of themed. Um, were there any that sort of caught your eye that you guys saw? I would say Tencent Four Four because. Their color scheme was really nice, yeah. the Tensic 4 for Cybugs. Mm -hmm. And not only did they do that, they were able to use 3D printer parts to make a mechanically wise, a really high performing robot. Yep. Because it would take two pixels at a time with two separate claws, which was very time efficient and was fast. Uh, I agree with Pranav's point. I actually got to drive alongside the Cybugs. Yeah. So I actually got to speak with like their drive team members. Uh, and it turns out that they actually only had a week to build that robot, and wow. they completely redesigned from their other one. That's crazy. So there's a lot of changes that happen across the board, not just for our team, but their teams as well. Yep. Excellent, excellent. Um, uh, any other uh, any other exciting things you want to talk about uh, about FTC? Anything that we haven't discussed yet? Mm -hmm. You got anything for now? No. No, everything we kind of covered at all? Yeah. Excellent. Well, listen, guys, I appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Um, I look forward to our next competitions on Saturday, so yep. it's coming up. Um, I think we're going to do pretty good. What do you guys think? I think so. Yeah. I think we're going to make states. Yep. That's the plan, right? Yep. Excellent. Well, guys, thanks for being here. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah.